This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I talk about the most recent House of the Dragon trailer, and then we cover the Long Night together. This is the dark, dark battle at Winterfell against the Night King in Season 8. Okay, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. Steve, we got a new House of the Dragon trailer. Uh, did you see the first trailer? I guess I guess I should ask you that. Yeah, I've seen I've seen trailers. Okay. Is this? Uh, I don't know how many have there been. There might have been like a teaser with just like the image. Right, right. You know, then there then there was sort of like a you know sort of a short narrative trailer that came out a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. then there was one that just dropped. Yeah. Uh, um, this is my favorite kind of trailer. Let me just tell you. Oh, go on. I've got very particular views on trailers. My feeling is that I like a trailer that kind of shows me what the movie or show's going to feel like and maybe give me a little premise so that I really can't decipher the plot, but I kind of like the premise. All right. And and you like you like the premise because there's dragons. <laughs> well, we can discuss the premise, but I I do like the idea. They are sort of shielding me from plot spoilers with these trailers because I loathe trailers that show basically the whole plot in the trailer. Oh yeah, no, for sure, those drive me nuts. And so this, yeah, this is great, right? So it's like a. It's a collage of things, uh, a lot of action, which works well in these types, right? You want to see a, kind of mm-hmm. a flurry of action that you can't quite place into who's doing what. Now, what I don't know um, is because, you know, I mean, obviously as a late adopter to Game of Thrones, when those previews came out, when those trailers came out, um, was, there, was there a high emphasis on action or was it more of the intrigue? You know what? I don't think I ever watched a Game of Thrones trailer. Interesting. I think I I think I just watched the first episode. So I don't even remember what the uh if there were trailers. Did they have trailers back then? I don't When were trailers invented? <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were 2019 maybe? I I feel like they've been around for a little bit. 2000 maybe 2018. Maybe, yeah, 2018 seems to make more sense now I think about it. <laughs> All right, now, let me tell you. I I could probably tell you a bit about some of the characters we meet in this trailer, but I I guess I'm curious. Do you care? Like, do you, are you, do, is this anything that you really care about? Oh, the, the show? Well, like, would, the you pre- would you prefer, like, I asked you to join me for this podcast, but if you had your druthers, would you have preferred, like, not to watch the trailer or not to, you know. I try not to watch trailers. and I mean, I, I, I say that, but I mean, there are times I, I will definitely watch trailers. But if it's something like this, like a show uh, like Game of Thrones, to me, one of the things I really liked about it was I didn't know what was going on when I went into it, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. have book reference. I didn't, you know, um, I didn't have 
really much spoilers. So I with this type of show, like I felt like, oh, the less I know, the better. Now, so so because uh, I'm uh, a, a dummy when it comes to this type of mm-hmm. stuff, when is this? Do we have an idea of when this? story ends how much time would be between yeah. the end of this story and the beginning of the uh the the other series yeah they're saying it's about 200 years okay so so that that's helpful i would think right because yeah. it doesn't have to butt up right i mean yeah you're not gonna meet any characters i mean they're it's possible it's possible that we'll do a little timey-wimey stuff Sure. Uh, but my guess is that you, we will not meet any characters in this show. Right. So this isn't like where you've got, you know, one of the issues I think we had with the Star Wars prequels, we don't really need to get into that too much, but like there's such a need to uh, link the two. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to carry the story and then it's like, oh, look, here's R2-D2 because we know you liked him. And, and so yeah. we're going to shoehorn him into this story. Yeah, I think that the most that you'll find in this show are uh, there's a few prominent props, which we can discuss. The Starbucks cup. <laughs> of course. Of course you're going to need the Starbucks cup. Um, there, yeah, there's going to be places that you've, you know, you've seen the set before, you know, you've seen, but, but even then it's, it's like the Iron Thrones sort of has a different look to it right? than in the previous season. So, yeah. And so that, that is, uh, something that happens, right. When I look at it and I go, and then of course the Iron Throne, right. Of course. But it's like, there's, there was an element of like, I did get that sort of PTSD of, seeing something that's from you know it would, it's just a, it's the prequel thing and it's mm-hmm. um so i get i just get nervous i get nervous yeah um i felt the same way about better call saul gotcha you know breaking bad's almost perfect right you know i had a few quibbles but i felt like breaking bad is almost perfect um do i need do i need this other thing so i had pretty low expectations going in and right. I think that uh, there was just something about Better Call Saul that kind of made me think, oh, I can, I, I will watch anything these guys do. These guys are pretty great. Gotcha. Um, anyway, let's talk about this particular trailer. Did you recognize any of the actors in this show? Yes. Yes, I did. Did you recognize Patty Constantine? That, that's the, the main one that I recognize for sure. And you probably recognize him from a couple Edgar Wright movies, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, what the the Cornetto trilogy. My feeling is he's a pretty amazing comedic actor, right? So to see him in this, you know, sort of King Viserys, I'm thinking, geez, this is uh, not how I'm. I mean, you look at his IMDb; he's done all kinds of stuff, uh, right? But, uh, but yeah, so that was the, the sort of the main guy. Hmm. So he's the king. And then the other guy that you're going to need to know is the Matt Smith character. Right. So the doc- so and he's not Doctor Who. He's th- well, he could be because Well, that's the thing is I mean that's and I that's part of what I'm excited is like we're going to see like the world sort of mm-hmm. combine. He's going to j- jump into a phone booth and <laughs> zip off to King's Landing. I love it. So he's the king's brother, and really basic. His name is Damon Targaryen. He thinks he's got a right to the throne. 
once his brother kicks off. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as you could probably tell by this trailer, uh, the king's daughter also thinks she has a right to the throne, and uh, antics ensue. I mean, that's yeah, that's it, basically the premise of the show. And it seems very clear that there's a uh, a woman cannot sit on the throne theme, right? I think so. I think that's what they're doing. I think I think that you've almost got this uh, situation where, um, you've got actually you've got these two women who are kind of at odds, right? So you, you got the the blonde, right? There was a blonde. Hold on, let me rewatch. <laughs> and you've got the redhead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the redhead is named Alicent, and she's the king's second wife and i just wanted to point her out because at one point she draws a knife and she's you know she sort of goes after someone with this knife Mm -hmm. and i wanted to know if you recognize the knife i i just watched the preview so no i did not do it i I didn't do as close a watch okay so this is is sort of is it the conan is it the conan sword that we saw (laughs) in stranger things (laughs) that would be amazing it might have been however it is the sort of the knife that the cat's paw used to try to kill Bran Stark in season one. Mm, gotcha. So it was this Valyrian steel knife. So I think that that's sort of the extent to which you might see an Easter egg to connect to the to the other show. Right, um, and that's okay. Like to me, that that seems fine, right? Because that's um, because you sort of hearken to that, right? I mean, that's the whole. Sure. Point of a lot of these things that show up, especially if it's magical or so. I, yeah, that I, sh- I should expect that. That's fine. Like I don't have a problem with that. It's just like I said, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's you know, I don't know. Like, okay. Like if I saw if I saw Baby Hound, for example, right? Like a, that that would that probably throw me off a little bit. Uh huh. Um, I think that the the plot of the show is pretty much concealed. There were a couple new characters that we saw, like Boros Baratheon. We saw we saw Aemond Targaryen, not to be confused with the other Targaryen, and we've we saw a few really cool dragons, basically. A lot of dragons. Here's what I want to talk about. Which and seems I, like there should be dragons in, in the show called the House of the Dragon. That's right. That's right. Unless that's they right. were just paving the way for dragons, like oh, we're gonna get a dragon someday, and it's. Sort of like we we bought a zoo, but we bought a <laughs> dragon house. We bought a, a dragon pit. In this trailer, you saw this little uh, canister opened up. It's mm-hmm. like an egg-shaped canister. Mm-hmm. And there was like a dragon egg inside of it. Yeah. Which those look like they would hurt to lay, by the way. Here's what I don't know. Because there has been some speculation, and I think... What I interpret as confirmation on George's part, that in order to birth a dragon, you need a human sacrifice. Mm. And this is kind of what we saw at the end of season one of Game of Thrones with Danny kind of straps Miri Mazdor to the pyre mm-hmm. and puts Drogo on top of the pyre. She climbs onto the pyre. Yeah. And then she she walks out with three dragons, right? So right. this is kind of what I'm curious about. I mean... I, I think it's pretty clear people are okay with Targaryen incest, right? Um, yeah, you get you get used to it. <laughs> you get used to it, okay. Is every single one of these dragons a result of human sacrifice? Because, I mean, it's not like we didn't have human sacrifice in the previous show, but... 
That's a good point. Yeah, it's so pretty it's, dark. It's pretty dark. We could be setting up for, I and mean, yeah, like that's a really good point that you bring up. We could be setting up for a lot more human sacrifice and a whole lot more sibling sex. See, I I kind of feel like there's a few of these Targaryens that I want to root for. Right, I'm gonna have to root yeah. for someone in this show. Right. If they're all having sex with their sisters and they're they're in order to get these dragons, they're gonna have to burn a human. It's gonna be really hard to root for these Targaryens. It was a different time, Anthony. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is before cancel culture took over. Okay. <laughs> I don't need you and your woke brigade coming down to the Targaryen house. So that's my one question. Um, yeah, well, I will say that I, I it was a reluctant watch. You say, hey, we should watch this. And because I am, like I said, I just, I kind of don't want to know. But I, I don't feel like, but to your earlier point, I don't feel like I know anything more. You know, I mean, I, I see things. I see, like, mm. you know, it's we're not high, we're not holding the dragons back. The dragons aren't snuffleupagus in this particular situation. We're you're gonna get a heaping helping of these dragons, which does change things, right? I mean, that changes uh, like not that dragons didn't serve a, a pretty chief role in Game of Thrones, but it was a slow burn. Pardon the pun to get yeah. to. Them, oh right? yeah, we didn't meet an actual an actual real dragon until episode ten, right? Yeah, so now we're getting like the. Uh, you know, I mean, the playing field is is rife with dragons, right? So I think that that's kind of a cool concept. Um, I, I'm curious. Well, and can I also say the CGI? I mean, these dragons look pretty great, right? Like, and that, and I think that's one thing that I think it's been good for us as we we've seen the the birth of dragon effects, you know, throughout our lives, and and it's nice to see where we're landing somewhere. But I'm in. I'm for sure in. I, I think this trailer was helpful for me to kind of get uh, my mind right in terms of uh, re-entering a, a realm um, that I reluctantly went to before because of my, my feelings on magic. Well, yeah. I mean, I think this trailer was sort of heavy on the politics. Yeah. And uh, it, it threw it threw some some dragon stuff our way, too. Yeah, and I and I was I was glad to ha- get to see the political stuff intertwined because that's that's really what you know moved you know most of us I think as viewers right I mean to the intrigue. Well, I will the, say that as a fan of fantasy literature, I I want to see some magic. I want to see some. Well, I, I, I want to see some do. hocus pocus, man. That, that's, I just, just I just want magic with rules. Mm-hmm. I want magic. I want time travel. Ugh. I'll love a ship or two. Give me a. Give me an old timey ship. I'll eat that yeah. up with a spoon. I know you love your ships. Give me a wolf every now and again. I like a battering ram. <laughs> I didn't didn't know this about you. Yeah, you like a good battering ram, huh? Yeah, I do. I like I like that that slow build up. You know, all the effort that has to go. I mean, it really, it's nothing nothing quite like teamwork when everybody's just you know shoving the, the same direction. You know. <laughs> I think that. Unfortunately, Steve, I think that the battering ram is a poor substitute for a dragon. A dragon will take you over the wall mm-hmm. and help you burn down the stuff inside of the wall. <laughs> so you're saying you're saying you're an idiot if you if you bring a battering ram to a dragon fight. Exactly. I think that this show may be 
completely devoid of battering rams and i i like i wanted to end sort of like uh you know <laughs> speaking of the prequels now where where like the dragons get wiped out and so you start seeing the plans for the for the ultimate uh weapon and it's it's just a proto you know like the blueprint for uh, a battering ram oh <laughs> it's coming now we now we know we have it we can have a middle prequel <laughs> Well, and also, I think that what this trailer does for us is it just quint- sort of establishes a baseline. Who's going to take the Iron Throne? Is it going to be the king's daughter or the king's brother? It establishes sort of the the, the teams, right? So, what's your biggest fear about uh, this series? Like, what, what would get what would get you to go? Ugh. I think my biggest fear is uh, the the blonde guy problem. That there's just too many. There's just too many blonde guys. I feel like like I don't mind a blonde guy every now and again. I usually don't trust blonde guys. It's just rotten with Malfoys. Rotten with Malfoys. Yeah, I I feel like I need a few more brunettes. The show, the trailers have not presented me with a whole lot of brunettes. I've gotten no, a redhead. I've gotten a, a lot of blonde folks. Blonde folks that you wouldn't expect to be blonde, which I like too. Yeah, like even even the black folks are blonde folks. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. So that's an interesting. Are they are they really blondes, or is that like something you wear to, like if you convert? That guy. No, that guy is is what I'm most looking forward to about this show. That's Corliss Valerian. Right. He's the sea snake. <laughs> He's a seafaring dude. And, and, which means there has to be a ship somewhere. Which means that there's got to be a ship at some point. His ship is called the Sea Snake. So I'm excited about that. Looking forward to that for sure. So have you picked out your evening chic wear? I have not. Have you? I lost my belt. So I actually went, <laughs> went in negative the whole, direction. The whole thing is just ruined. <laughs> you lost your belt. Wait, how do you lose your belt? Don't you wear it? I think I lost it in Chicago. It? I was in a hotel in Chicago last week. and So you went beltless after you left that hotel? It was a weird, wild night. <laughs> so, yeah. So I actually uh, took a step backward from my evening chic plans. Because <laughs> whatever pants you picked are just falling down. All right. That's all I got. Are you shopping for anything for the, the evening chic? Do you, yeah, think, I'm gonna, do, you, do you own anything evening chic? Well, if if I can't find a belt, I will just use a short bungee cord. Okay, well, that's fine. As long as it's black. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a black bungee cord event. What do you take me for? You don't think I would wear a bungee cord that would match my shoes? <laughs> getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. 
those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. I was I was exhausted by the end of this episode. I was exhausted. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, overall, the my my visceral take at the time was like, wow, that was a that was a ton of fun. What a ride! Yeah, it was quite a ride. Very cool. And nice. then and yeah. then you have the the postmortems, and we can get to the postmortems too in a bit. But yeah. I, I think we should probably talk about you know sort of the episode, what works, what doesn't. Well, work. let's talk about your experience of it first. So this famously was the episode that everyone said was shot way too dark to figure out what ah. was even happening. Well, you gave me the heads up, and yeah, so yeah. I turned I right out the gate. Uh, I'm like. Mm. I know this is the episode that I was warned about about lighting, and right out the mm-hmm. gate, I'm like, eh, it is pretty, pretty dark, pretty, pretty typically dark um, mm-hmm. for for the show. So I go to the old TV settings and I find Vivid. Uh, oh. I turn on Vivid. I didn't have a problem with any scene after that. Oh my god! So I got to see everything. I got to see everything, and it was actually so. Quite yeah. Good. So this is one of those key elements that makes season eight the the dog season, right? And just because of that tiny little tip, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we've fig- we've solved one of the season eight problems. For right, because I was reading uh, some of the you know some of the reception and like like a few of the reviews actually was like, hey, great episode, couldn't see it, so that's why they gave it. That's right. Which I think is a fascinating thing, right? I mean, I guess you have to. I mean, when you're if you're a critic, it's television. Usually, you want to see it, right? And if you're a critic, you you can't. I mean, you ha- you can't separate the experience right you can't say hey man i'm just gonna focus on what happened <laughs> especially when you're like i'm not sure what happened <laughs> um so i can see i'm that pretty judging on what i heard <laughs> i'm pretty sure there was a dragon <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, there was a dragon there might have been a horse <laughs> i don't know if the bear came back or not um <laughs> So, all right. So that fundamentally, I mean, that's that's actually a, quite a crucial thing because it's like, all right. So maybe thematically, darkness was really important. I mean, they called it the long night, right? Sure. And boy, oh boy, was was was, was it quite it long a night. And was it night? <laughs> so, all right. That's fine. Thematically, that's fine. Is there a way to do that with a few key characters? Where you kind of build it into the plot. Sure. I mean, 
This was this was a, there were a lot of scenes that were really hard to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't have that problem and I'm Yeah, I, so, I just, so yeah. So so you not having that that problem, I think fundamentally your experience of this episode was different than I mean, it seems like a small thing, but I think that your experience was fundamentally different than millions of other people. Mm-hmm. Super cool, super cool this this episode, you know, because it's all dark most most of the time. the The dragons above the clouds. Oh man, that was great. The, I the way I mean that was just some amazing. That's just amazing shots. Mm-hmm. It just just beautiful, and I feel like a little bit like. I don't know, super when Superman goes above the clouds yeah. or something like that. And you just get the sense of oh, everything's kind of peaceful up here and it's not as dark up here. And uh these this dra- these dragons are awesome. Yeah, and that's what was kind of cool about the um about how it got brighter is because even though it was night, it was still brighter above what the yeah, night yeah. king was bringing in. It's like what you talked about. Have like you just need a little sip of water to keep you going. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. And I and so I, I lovely episode. Effects were great. Um, uh, I liked the dragon kind of consoling at the end. Uh, mm, consoling yeah. Danny. I think that that added yeah, yeah. because I think I think we're supposed to believe these dragons are not just dogs, right? Like there, there's more. They're like psychically connected to Danny. Otherwise. How are they going where she wants right. them to go, right? So, um, so yeah, so, so, and, and you, in general, you, you walked away from this feeling like if that was the climactic moment in this show, I, it was worth hanging around for. I'm not disappointed. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. In fact, uh, Heather and I had the same, same reaction. And it looks like there was some other critics that may have had the same thing was like, I'm like, mm, I don't really care about the throne. <laughs> right. Okay. So now, okay. Let me. So, so, so the we talked yeah. a little bit about like how how are they gonna pace this out? Because I think last we talked, you said something like, "Well, you only have four episodes to deal with the Night King problem. How are you gonna do it in four episodes?" And then they did it in one episode. Right. So how? So are you? Do you feel a little conflicted about that? Um. Yeah, a little bit because it does feel like. Hey, we've got the biggest problem in the universe, um, mm-hmm. so we'll give it an extra thirty minutes. Um, so <laughs> it felt like to me that this, but it felt like those thirty minutes. Oh, no, no, felt yeah. like three well, and that, and and that's the thing, right? So, so in in episode time, it was probably exponential, right? Because normally you have switches to this plot to that plot. That's what mm-hmm. we're what we've grown accustomed to, and there's nothing but this, right? Which we've seen, we've seen sure. that with, uh, um, you know the battle scenes or the battle episodes in particular, a lot uh-huh. of times they don't uh, go to something different, but it does have that sense of, it just feels, it feels like you've watched several episodes, right? I mean, in a sense you've watched two almost. Uh, so here's what they decided to do. All right. So this season is built around what I'm calling the maggots under the rice situation mm-hmm. between John and Danny. Right. Yeah. And they get you right up to the brink, like right where the maggots have been revealed. Right. <laughs> and you're just about to hear, like, how are these two lovers going to work out this political situation that really affects how everyone lives for the next 30 years mm-hmm. or whatever? 
and how this show that we've invested lots of time into, how's it going to play out? And they get us right up to the brink of that conversation. And then it's kind of like, oh, the Night King. And then it's like, just the Night King in your face for the the next full eighty minute episode. Yeah, yeah. And so it's they've ma- they clearly made a choice to that's the vehicle they've chosen to ride until the final episode. Right, that's what it certainly feels like. And you've got okay. and the Night King <laughs> is kind of like, eh, oh, this is let's make sure that we do this well. But this is not the climax of the story. Here's the maggots. Oh, I'm starting to see maggots under the rice. Oh, well, our solution is we'll just put more rice on top. <laughs> We're just gonna a little bit more rice on top. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll do, you get more rice before you get to the maggots. <laughs> so now is the challenge. This is to me, and this may be the, one of the corners they paint themselves into. Right? Is that? And again, mm-hmm. I don't know how it all resolves, but now you're asking the audience to return to something after this kind of investment you've said this is the biggest threat mankind has ever known yeah sure and then and then you then you beat it and you're like Mm -hmm. well how do you how do you impress me after you've just solved the greatest threat mankind has ever known Mm -hmm. it's hard to then say and also look man you know parking tickets no it's just like it doesn't like things don't like when you go through a major event or whatever everything else just pales so mm. I think one of the best reviews I read was it's going to be real hard to care about who ends up on the pointy chair now. Like, I love the way that they, they phrased it be- <laughs> yeah, that, because that's, that's be- pretty good because it is like, I mean, in this, and I have no idea if this is somebody who liked the show going into it or not, but like the, it, it sort of does, it's a wonderful little <laughs> perspective driven commentary <laughs> that just says compared to what you just did, this is now like, oh, yeah, now let's get back to being the human squibbling. And this is where – and so this is where I – my postmortem start to make me go, hey, in a vacuum, that was a wonderful episode. I mm-hmm. like the trajectory. I am now halfway through the worst epi- – or the worst season in the show, mm-hmm. and I feel great still. So, again, this goes back to these last three yeah. have to be such dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you something, all right? Let, let me give you a little little background here. So in one of George Martin's most popular interviews, he's in most cited interviews he's ever given, he said, I was a really big fan of Lord of the Rings. Like, he's a, like he, he rips off Lord of the Rings a lot, right? So, and he has tons of respect for Tolkien. And he said, but one problem I have with the end of Lord of the Rings is like, what happens to all of the people like what certainly there are more interesting politics. It's like Aragorn rules as a righteous King for many years. All right. What happens to the orcs? Do you send the orcs to like, you know, little orc school so that you can like, <laughs> what happens? Cause in real life you have a big battle, like you have world war two. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards the politics just gets more complicated. And so, Martin has always said, like, I'm really interested in the politics of the aftermath. All right. So if that's the case, I can think, all right, I can see why these guys made the decision that they made, because really, happily ever after is not what they're going for. What they're going for is, this is just one more big complication in the Game of Thrones. Yes. All right. So I, I I can see the idea behind it of behind doing what they did, 
And at the same time, everything you just said is true. It's like, how do you top this? Yeah. You can't, you can't, and you're painting yourself into a corner, and guess what? You're not George R. R. Martin, so you're probably not going to come up with this a story that's going to be fitting for you know the ending of this series. Right. There's that, and there's also I I might even challenge Martin's uh, take a little bit. I'm like, yes, what you're saying is true, um, but that's, you don't want to see little orc schools. But that's not how we're. That's just not how we're engineered. So you're already <laughs> you're already going because the thing is is you know. You know what you're telling me. You're talking about like the way that we receive stories in general. I would say that, and I would also say, you know, where we get our stories about dealing with the aftermath of major political events every goddamn day. <laughs> That's right. Our That's entire right. life, for the most part, because most of us do not live in major political events, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But then we, ha- but we, yeah, we're all living in the aftermath. We all live so. in the aftermath, and we're all part of of putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. Sure. So, so we we gravitate towards the epic. We gravitate towards the event one because it's 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 fanciful. It's it's yeah. dramatic, and also you know on on a maybe a more subliminal level, it gives a little perspective, right? It yeah, gives yeah, a little yeah. perspective of we're in the aftermath. This is how we got here. Holy moly, you know, like there, you see those things, right? So, so you create a fantasy world, and I think it's very important to. And I, again, look, George R. R. Martin, I am not here to tell you how to write a book, um, but I am going to tell you how some consumers and probably a lot of consumers read books. And that is, look, you, if you're going to go and build me to this thing, and then it happens, and then say, but wait, there's more, you'd be like, mm, maybe not. Maybe I don't need it. Like now, it's like it's maybe after this. Euron isn't quite as menacing. Sure. Right. right. Well, and, and so there's the, the other aspect of, I understand the critique of the happily ever after. Cause it's like, well, what happens next? What happens next? What happens next? I, and again, this is now me uh, giving my personal preference. That's why I like short stories that don't resolve because, right. because most of the time when you enter a story, things have already happened. That's why the story is going to talk about flashbacks and refer to things that you uh-huh. have not experienced because you are taking a snapshot in time. So it's to me, it's it's sort of a false promise to sit there and say, hey, look, let's go into this story already in progress. Oh, but we're going to resolve this one forever and ever and ever. And it's like, well, no, no, because this is a snapshot in time and you have to trust yeah. those snapshots. Right. Because, I mean, like I'm still wrestling with which Targaryen is what Targaryen and how are those Targaryens related and all this stuff, because it's all just trying to fill in the blanks from the past. There's a lot of stuff that happened back there. This is your aftermath. This is your yeah, aftermath of right. all of that other stuff, right? This is, if we had had a whole series on the Mad King, well, this would be the thing that you would have to try to wrap up in two or three episodes. Uh-huh. So you just don't. Like, and Heather said it last night, and she beat me to it. She says, that that's your final episode. Well, and I, I think I said this before. I said, look, if it, I think that if I was going to recommend someone watch the show, and they're worried about the ending... I might say, hey, just watch until, you know, season eight, episode three, and then quit. Yeah, because what she said, and this is, and this, and maybe, you know, because this is exactly where I'm at and when I watch things and, and read things. So she says, yeah, now we'll just let us stew and, and uh, theorize over what happens mm-hmm. to, the, to the, the Iron Throne now. Maybe Cersei. Well, George R. R. Martin might agree with her because he's definitely not publishing that last book. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Well, so, so but that but that's but for me like. Yeah, I, and I know this doesn't satisfy a lot of people, but at the same time, it's like you, we, we've talked about the idea of a, of a series finale being its own genre. The uh-huh. the the notion of satisfying everyone um, is almost impossible. Yeah, you mentioned you have a friend whose favorite characters were, characters were Ramsey and Joffrey, right? Yeah, I don't know how you satisfy that guy. Right, right. I mean, it, there's no way you satisfy that guy without Unless, alienating. Unless, like, the Night King sits on the Iron Throne which, and which resurrects was, Tywin or whatever. Which is what I was saying. I mean, for me, yeah. so here's the thing, is I really believe, like, I, and this is this is where I, I have a problem, where, where I have my own issues. For me, a satisfying ending would have been, the next three episodes is this battle, and this battle that just keeps inching its way towards... Uh, King's Landing, you know, mm-hmm. people retreating, basically going like you even could have Tyrion and Jaime retreating to Cersei to basically say, "Look, let's let's get on some ships, let's figure this out." Like they they start to they start to value family, right? Cersei still has mm-hmm. Bronn going after. Like to me, that becomes a battle within the battle. They're saying, "Hey, we're fighting ourselves." When really the big, and then it just basically ends with humanity humanity getting in its own way and um and go hearkening back to the notion that that martin created like the white walkers as sort of this climate change thing to me mm-hmm. much more darker but satisfying ending is if we don't stop getting in our own way we are going to be laid to waste by things that are beyond our control mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. me and i understand there would be a ton of people that would hate that ending because like wait i'm trying to get my happily ever after and you just taught me a lesson and i'd be like hell yeah like to me, that that is so much because that to me it, it makes sense on some level. It has kind of a poignant ending. It'll be super controversial, um, and it'll alienate a lot of people. But it's worth talking about in like a bigger from a bigger perspective, right? That the irony of the Game of Thrones is uh, we were all caught up in something that really doesn't matter when it's all said and done. And I think that that to me that's a satisfying ending, right? So that's and I and we're not getting that now. I get that. Um, so, so of all the things I try to do, temporary expectations. This was the ending I wanted. I knew I was never going to get it. I got closure on it this episode, saying, "All right, so buckle up. We're going to try to get excited mm-hmm. about whatever else is left." Okay, let me tell you why I. Okay, so I was a little disappointed when I first watched the episode. I mean, I think in general I was thrilled by it. Mm-hmm. It was quite a spectacle. Less intrigued than I, you know, that I usually want in my Game of Thrones episode. But here's what I was looking forward to that I did not get. All right, so this is this is gonna sound stupid. <laughs> hey, I just said I wanted this whole series to end with the Night King beating everybody. <laughs> uh, I stand by it that that's a better ending. But uh, okay, all right. I was really thinking they were gonna bring Hodor back as a zombie. Oh, I don't know why I thought. I thought, of course he's a zombie. They the zombies killed him. Right. He's a really big dude. He'd probably make a really great little soldier for the army of the dead. And wouldn't it be kind of be crazy to see Hodor come back to Winterfell? And I don't know. I just thought that'd be that'd be kind of badass. Maybe he's in there, and it's sort of like one of those things where, like, the Millennium Falcon is in one of the prequels, is just in the background. We <laughs> don't realize that Hodor is but too bad. Too bad we can't actually see him. Yeah, turn it to vivid, and you'll see that you'll realize that Hodor <laughs> it's, it's like, is a it's major like nineteen Hodor. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so. All right, so that that was one thing, and that, that's a minor point. Okay, this is a little bit bigger point. So we've been told that Bran is important, right? Yes, at least Bran suggested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From Bran's point of view, he's pretty important. I'm a really right? big deal. 
I see all kinds you, of things. You won't know it from my facial expression. Give Bran a lot I of credit. Bran, Bran is Bran is is really diligent with with not giving out spoilers. <laughs> uh, all right. So why is Bran important? Because he's this world's memory, and the Night King's going to come for him. So the Night King really thinks Bran is a threat for some reason. Yeah. Why is Bran important? Why is Bran a threat? Because in this episode, Bran's superpower is that he sits there and his eyeballs roll back and he flies around with birds. Oh, no, no. And he tells Theon everything's... He, he's a good boy. He tells Theon he's a good man. Super, super encourager. So I thought, okay, why is Bran so important? And I thought, well, maybe Bran could like warg into a dragon or something and be become really powerful because of course he can do that no one else can do that that's his superpower he can you know i I mean that's fine that you can warg into birds so that you can spy on the night king but i don't know how that helps with the battle and so i kind of feel like you underutilize someone that you have told me is the biggest threat on the board for the night king that's fair at so, at one point he says, "I have to go now." Yeah, and then he just sucks. So Brand sucks. Yeah, that okay. That's my all right. That's that, my take. That's, that's your hot take from this episode. So, <laughs> well, okay. So I think we're looking at you know we're looking at Brand wrong. Brand sucks, but the three eyed <laughs> Raven does not, and he's both. So so the so the three eyed Raven. In my, from what I'm gathering from this, and this could be me just trying to trying to help showrunners out, but I'm, I can't wait to hear the Three Eyed Raven and the Night King have 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 history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's hard for us to to really grasp because I don't think the show's done a, a great job of this. We talked about this. Nope. Uh, of of <laughs> saying that Bran Bran when Bran says I'm not Bran, I'm the Three Eyed Raven, and everyone just like. All right, weirdo, and and they move on, and so we as an audience kind of do the same thing because because we we've been we've been undersold the idea that he's a three eyed raven and that yeah. matters that because he's existed now now Bran is not Bran Bran exi- has existed beyond time right or yeah so exactly so so his relationship with the Night King is goes before all this my from what i you know and so so obviously so you're saying that there's this grudge match right. going back thousands of years right so i'm saying that there and again this is me just going i'm saying this because if it's not this then what <laughs> right so okay well this goes back to the rules of magic i'm gonna let you finish but let me just say this this goes back to the rules of magic conversation because okay here's a great example of the rules of magic what kills the zombies dragon glass Valyrian steel and fire. Mm-hmm. These dragons breathe fire. Mm-hmm. So, okay, great. So then the let's bring the dragons up north and then let's, you know, use fire against these zombies. I'm all in. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Here's what I don't get. I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. It allows me to see things that are, you know, things past, things that are happening far away. How does that help us beat the zombies? <laughs> Because the, the Night King seems to think that you're some big threat, right. or he just hates your guts. I don't know which it is. Yeah. Well, so here's yeah. So that is the, that. There's the fundamental problem. There is that the Night King wants to to eliminate the Three Eyed Raven, but we don't know why, and we're not getting a sense of why because he's not he's not doing anything. 
right he's now. not doing anything and he, literally nothing right and not only is he not doing anything but he's not doing anything because <laughs> it's and just in case you weren't sure about what he was doing it's nothing he sits there and doesn't move right so it's one thing to be like hey just give me a minute i'm looking at things <laughs> but he's not doing that he's sitting down saying you're good boy <laughs> So, so that, yes, that is a problem. So we're left with our assumptions, but again, it's like, so yeah. is the three-eyed Raven worse now that he's brand <laughs> than he was? <laughs> and if so, the three, who the cares? Three <laughs> and if so, who cares? Right. Because they, yeah. cause yeah. the only way that you, you are the, the night King and you're like, look, I'm, I'm going to divert my attention because Bran says, hey, here I am. I'm the Ravens. And then he's like, oh, hell yeah. And then he says, I'm going to go get him. And he takes off to go get him. We don't get the sense of like, I mean, he just, he's like, look, I'm going to put all my army to just chill while I walk a slower than Jason Voorhees <laughs> to a guy in a wheelchair and and just get there and get there and get there and and then I'll slowly his, and because like if his you, whole plan was to give Bran a dirty look like it's what it really felt like he absolutely needed to like spend all of those soldiers and burn down the wall get himself a zombie dragon because if I don't if I don't go to all of these lanes I may not be in a position to give the three eyed raven a dirty look yeah. yeah. So, so there you're, he doesn't, he's so not threatened by the three eyed raven <laughs> that instead of sending all of his white walkers and all of his whites to just go and maul him, he's like, no, uh -huh. no, I can do this as long. Just give me like, give me, give me 15 minutes. You see this look on my face all day. Yeah. He's been practicing this look, that. I could do this look. He's been practicing that. Day. Like at other other times, they're like, mm, "That's a little too scowly. Uh, that's a little <laughs> too smirky." You want to, you know, this is the three eyed raven. This is the guy who can kind of see things sometimes, and you know that's a big deal. <laughs> uh, so, so again, yeah, you you make a great argument against what I'm saying, and I think, <laughs> but again, I think what we're supposed to believe is that this goes back a long time. And he, if it goes back a long time, then tell me that story. Exactly. That's and that's the thing is I guess imply it. Sam, <laughs> say something. Say I looked in a book once and it says that that the three eyed raven once pants the night king in, in gym class and he's never forgiven him. <laughs> you know, just something. <laughs> or even Gilly well, can right. say it. Why does what does pants mean? Why is pants a verb in this case? And and then I don't care about pants. I'm tired of being you know, whatever. Just have that secret. Um or have Davos. I'm not a learned man, but here's one thing I do know, and then tell me everything. <laughs> so so all, but okay, so here's an here's uh, a a slight retort. Uh I'm gonna look at this okay. from a um uh from maybe a, a more of an allegorical uh, yeah. perspective. Okay. Uh, let's, and again, I no indication that this is what they're basing it on, but, but as a close reader, I'll take my own uh, perspective, uh, you know, perception. Why not? Um, so in Christian lore, mm -hmm. uh, God exists outside of time. Okay. And uh, always was, always will be knows what's going to happen doesn't but gives free will all these different things you want and then there's this there's this character known as the devil 
right? And the devil is working all the time. And our understanding, or at least the sort of the conventional interpretation, mm -hmm. is that he's moving at the same sort of time that we are, right? Uh, yeah, he's like a created being. Right, so he doesn't exist outside of time. So he's moving along with the universe trajectory. And he's working okay. super hard. Uh -huh. Okay. Super hard to complicate everything. He's trying to tempt you to do this. He's creating this problem. He's doing this thing. Ooh, he's you know, with, sitting on people's shoulders with 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 the fall. getting super small. Look, man, he 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 uh, helped orchestrate the fall of man, and that's why we have cancer. Uh, and and God, if you pray to him, sometimes, occasionally, we'll do th something about it. But for the most right. part, he seems to be sitting watching everything just sort of happen. <laughs> now. In our okay. narrative, we are told yeah. that eventually the devil is going to do so much bad stuff and he's going to wipe out humanity and there's uh -huh. going to be a few good people still here and there's going to be everybody else is raptured, yeah. but there's going to be... And ultimately God wins. And ultimately right. God wins. And we go, oh, I can't wait for that day when the good Lord smites the devil. Meanwhile, we're all over here getting smote. By the devil the entire time. Because we're like, well, wait a minute. Is God just sitting there? Is he just sitting there? Yeah. So, yeah. So we have said that I have made the argument that Bran has become a little bit godlike. Exactly. Right? And then this goes to the criticism that, mm. that like, Tyrion's criticism of the gods mm. is very mm. similar to our criticism of Bran right now. <laughs> yeah, this is not, this is kind of working for you. I don't know if the, this is what it was anyone's intention. But so far, this is tracking pretty well. Well, and so and so that's where I find some satisfaction, right? Because I mean, I okay. think that this conversation is really good. But this is the conversation people have about the gods. Well, why are you stepping in now? Like, look, who lit the fire? Mel. She's terrible. Yeah. Right? right. But right. there's something there, and it's like, well, why didn't like? So the big question is, well, why didn't they intervene sooner? Why did we get this far? And you know, yeah. and so that's I think I think there's something to be said for that. If that's intentional, I I, mm -hmm. I do want to do a tip of the cap, and I and I think it's it. I think if some of the problems can can be uh, sort of compartmentalized in the idea that like yeah, these are the problems. These are the problems we've been dealing with right. the whole time. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Like I I guess I I I, I think I fell into my little trap where I thought okay, well. This is what this is the story I want to see, and I think that they're. I think that this is a story that they're trying to tell, and when they didn't tell that story, instead of just you know looking at the story that they told mm -hmm. and judging it accordingly, I was kind of measuring it against my own expectations. And this is this is where my argument for the season or a series finale, and you could even make an argument that like the finales, the episodes that yeah. lead up to it, are their own genre because they. They exist because we don't view them the same. We just don't. We're not. Mm -hmm. You don't watch a final episode the same way you watch any other episode because you don't judge it on its own merits. Mm -hmm. You judge it on That's how right. is this thing going to wrap up. And even if it, it, it's and it's so hard. I mean, it is so hard to do right um, mm. that that and because I and one of the yeah one of the things I read one of the I don't know if it was a defense of of the final season. It was just specifically this episode, but just saying this is very hard for people because when you start dealing with the finales, you start dealing with not only people's expectations, but how they base your execution to these expectations. Mm -hmm. This is what needs to happen for me. Well, in fact, in addition to that, let's say you didn't like how a season ends, but you like the show overall. 
there's always the next season. Like maybe they could clean this up mm-hmm. um, next season. And knowing that there's not going to be a next season, you really want them to stick the landing. Sure. Right? Uh, so I guess that's the, to your point. Sticking the landing is, is its own genre. Right. Because the thing is, is when you say stick the landing, it's it's very rare that somebody mm-hmm. as, a, as a viewer, and I'm putting myself in the same category, because look, I've already complained about, hey, I would have rather seen the Night King on the, on the throne. So, mm-hmm. there, so if that's where I believe the story should go, they have already not stuck the landing three episodes prior to the end. Let me, t- I'm just going to give you a little, uh, book versus show difference that may change the way you think about this episode. Okay. All right. So in the book so far, there is no night King. Mm-hmm. He does. It's just the white walkers. There's sort of this faceless, you know, entity up North. Right. Okay. So in th- what they've done with the, the night King here is they've made him the linchpin. Like if you, if you stab that guy with a Valyrian steel dagger, mm. this whole thing falls apart. How do you tell that story without the night King? Right. Well, and that, I, and I think maybe that's where, because when you, maybe that's where I got a little focused on the night King sitting on the throne or, or wiping everything out is because when, yeah. because um, and the Night King may actually complicate it because I think with a Night King you can win. Yeah. And without a well, Night King and with, you might not Without a Night King it's it's a little bit more like a plague. It's like Right. But I mean that's I think that that's a problem for storytelling too because we don't know anything about White Walker culture or anything like that. Right. Okay. We don't know what motivates them and things. So Anyway, I just thought that, of course, this is going to be different in the books because it's already different. As far as we know, there's no like skeleton key or you know magic dagger that can take out an entire army if it's just right. poked in the in the in one spot. You know, so I don't know. Do you that, have a problem? Did you have a problem with that? Just out of curiosity, like in terms of the of of I did feel like it was a little bit. You know, sometimes when they do a little homage to Lord of the Rings. I really like it. Mm-hmm. But this did feel like, okay, if you if you can kill Sauron, then all of his minions will disperse. Yeah. And I thought, surely they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I Like I said, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed the episode and then had bad feelings about it in retrospect, mm-hmm. which I think... No, maybe that wasn't warranted. Let me give you an example of how it was unwarranted. So, I remember being disappointed. No, Hodor doesn't come back as a zombie, and Bran doesn't work into a dragon. So, okay, kind of a kind of things that I was interested in happening and didn't happen. And I had convinced myself that it would have been a great idea for, you know, they're hiding in the crypts of Winterfell. It'd be a great idea for when the dead rise. Like, some of these dead bodies come out from the crypts. Which they did. But in my mind, they didn't. Oh, because it didn't like, look like it? No, I just I, I just forgot. Oh, okay. I just thought this is one more, you know, missed opportunity. And I remember seeing the whole crew in the, in the crypts and just being, you know, thinking like, why didn't they do that? That would have been so cool. That would have made so much sense for what we know about what the White Walkers can do. Right. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, what? 
So I, I, I mean, clearly I had uh, misjudged this this episode in retrospect. Um, so much so that I didn't even remember something that I really wanted to see happen that actually happened. Interesting, because that was actually something that was critiqued, and uh, some of the critics mm. were saying, like, hey, these are so old in there that how are they, what's moving these bodies? Did you not see a skeleton? I know, I know, that was the same thing. <laughs> Have like, we not talked about the skeleton you know, like, magic? What, we're okay with skeletons prior, but not in- All right, well, let me ask you this, all right. So they're in a crypt, and you know the Night King can rise the dead. Did you see that part coming? I didn't, you know, and it's funny, because it didn't, totally should have. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. I totally should have, but I didn't. Well, that's, I mean, that, that right there, that's brilliant storytelling because you set it up mm-hmm. and it makes perfect sense with all the rules of magic. Right. Right. And yet you were able to surprise your audience. Yeah. And so overall, I mean, I think this episode is very, very, very good. I think for somebody who has battle fatigue, I didn't have, a, yeah. like to your point, I didn't get fatigued by the battle. I just got. I got overwhelmed. There was a point, there were several times where Heather's like, just do it. <laughs> it's the walk, the walk to the, to Bran was, was <laughs> they don't use slow-mo a lot in this. Show. That was pretty excruciating because we're like, yeah, because you, at this point, the longer it takes, the less, the less nervous you are that Bran's going to die. You know what I mean? This would have been a 54 minute episode. If yeah, not exactly. He goes, he, I mean, if he, if he's making his way to it, quicker i think you're more tense but the longer it goes it's beautiful it's 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 like from a dramatic standpoint it feels much more like operatic it's just this it's it is Mm. super gothic and intense and everything but for me the tension actually got less the longer it took Uh because it didn't feel like an inevitability (laughs) anymore yeah it's weird it's like if it's there's this this little window of opportunity, and if it goes like two seconds too long, then you notice it. Right, or in this case, twelve minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the people that died that we know of. All right, right. <clears throat> named people. So Gren gets a Gren dies, yeah. right? Which I actually it was I'm surprised at how I kind of like oh no Gren. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, feel, I felt the same way. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, um, well, because I think because you're, you're running out, <laughs> you're running out of those uh-huh. <laughs> those people to feel bad <laughs> right, about. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, Lady Mormont goes out. Yeah, she goes out like a boss. She goes though, out twice. Right? Yeah, she goes out twice. Yeah, that was great. That was a really good scene. Like, like scenes like that could could be real trite. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it was she did what she could do. It's like if she was actually fighting off like a fen or something, not believable. She gets picked up and crushed by a giant. I, I could believe that. Yeah, it's funny how that, yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right. Mel dies at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which she foretells. Yeah, it's so, like, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it did a great job of, like, saying, look, I'm going to be dead. Don't worry. Don't don't worry. I like how Davos, Davos was still, like, after all that, been like, I'm going to get her. I told you I was going to get you. She he, Davos like comes you. up and she can just sense a speech coming on. She just yeah, like yeah, nips it off of the she's button. Like, she's you know like, what? I've lived- I will die before I hear another speech from you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I I need to age quickly, otherwise I'm just going to age in your story. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's so she's gone. Uh, Jorah dies. I thought his death was really compelling. Yeah, yeah. Getting stabbed and then standing up to continue to fight, but you just know he's like a he's like a boxer who's already knocked out, but he hasn't fallen over yet. Right. 
That scene was wonderful. Uh, that yeah, was and great. I was kind of impressed because Jorah's an easy one to just kind of kind of be over, right? Like, yeah, he had to die. He's like Theon. It's mm-hmm. like, you're going to, look, dude, you're going to die tonight because yeah. I don't care enough about you. Right, and then they still. To see you in the season finale. And then still are like, oh, that's good. That's that's a good ending. I mean, that was... Yeah, it's a pretty good ending. And it, and it, it kind of, like, and his ending was so so good and so satisfying that, that it's sort of like, it, I start thinking fondly of his character as opposed to being sure. like, eh, yeah, you know, yeah, I can take him good. or leave him. Yeah, that's good. Theon continues his long string of making bad decisions. Yeah. Like, right up until the end, he's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this spear. I'm going to yell at the top of my lungs. Right. And I'm going to run right at the Night King. Yeah, and Bran's like, well, you could just wait for... He's going to walk real slow to me, and you could, you <laughs> might like, be able to hold your ground. It's like, actually, Theon, just climb that tree there. Yeah. This is... You're not going to do anyone any good. <laughs> <laughs> this is all going to happen in, in slow-mo anyway. <laughs> so, Theon goes out. And and, and I will say that it... it um. As much as you know, we were kind of over. The, I don't. I haven't asked Heather this, but as much as we we're kind of over the the Theon narrative and everything, it was like one. I'm kind of glad he's gone, just because like that. Let's let's be done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that there was something kind. It, it actually was effective that uh, he was basically you know the, the the just real simple like it make fun of the fact that Bran just was like hey good boy, but like he kind of gave him some closure. <laughs> Um, I felt like he already had closure. I felt like he had closure when when John said, "You're a star." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Um, but all right, but, that's fine. But, I mean, I'm not going to quibble but Brand over that. Saying it, I mean, it, it holds twofold value. One hand, you've got the the guy that God you, told you. You were God, yeah. God, basically God told you. You you know. You're you're, well, well done. You're forgiven. Right? Whatever. Yeah. So so that's that. I think is is what it. I think that yeah. that's why that moment matters right even though sure god's just been sitting watching everything go down i liked bran a lot better when remember when theon took winterfell and he went in bran's room and he's like bran i just came over the wall and took you took your castle and he's like why (laughs) (laughs) what what the hell are you what the hell are you doing yeah go get me my breakfast yeah that was a (laughs) that was a really good scene just... I thought that was a good character. I missed that character. Um, all right, so Barrick dies, of course, and he dies in somewhat of a sort of a. The I read a little little bit about the ending, his ending. He kind of holds off these zombies in the hallway by putting his arms out in a cruciform, like you know, crucifix-looking kind of yeah. formation. And um, I think that was intentional. You know, he he basically saves Arya and gives up his own life or whatever. Right. For a guy who's been resurrected um, a bunch of times. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So um, he's dead. And you kind of like, so why did the Lord of Light want to raise him up a bunch of times? Well, because Arya needs to live. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, he has to be in a position to save Arya. So that's kind of what they did with his story. I don't think that's the best. It's not the most compelling B plot I've ever seen, but uh, it tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So that and and let me just say this: Sam should have died like two dozen times this episode. <laughs> no doubt. I honestly, I was like, I don't know how this guy's still alive. 
I have I have no clue how this guy's still alive. I mean, <laughs> apparently he's just immune to White Walkers and zombies. Like he's the one guy that has like the antidote. Yeah, that felt so, it, that felt a little sweet. He's zombie proof mm. from from the get go. He's zombie um, he's zombie proof. Um, all right. So given all of the people that we've seen die. Was that more or less than what you were expecting? And were you expecting maybe a more major character to go out? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Well, because this is a big episode, obviously. There was so much build up the episode prior. This is kind of like an episode nine in previous seasons, right? Yeah, and there was so had that feel. So much build up to to like, hey, we're, you know, so many people talk. We're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. Not gonna make it. And so I had forgotten about Mel. So the fact that she died was sort of like, or came back and died. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Gran, it's unfortunate, but like, I thought for sure this was this was the end of Sam, right? I mean, Jorah's death was sure. was yeah. was compelling. And Theon's death was fine, and it felt inevitable. Mm-hmm. But so those are those are big characters. I mean, there's nothing. I think I think to to sit there and say, well, hey, these aren't like big characters. I mean, Theon's been around, man. <laughs> you know, and whether well, yeah, season one, he's one of these one of these dozen characters, and he's got some some Stark one. legacy built in. Yeah, and just because we've grown tired of him, or maybe we didn't feel that the character was all that great anymore doesn't make him not a big character right and uh and and he goes out like both him and jorah go out jorah after his long you know like he was he was banished from danny banished him and then now he died for her and 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 that was kind of touching and then the theon thing mm-hmm. with the brand okay that's fine but the problem with that one that undercuts it a little bit is because if it was if it was brand to your point the brand that we knew that was like but why um as opposed to you're, you're a good boy uh I think it might have had more because they're like, well, yeah, he saves Bran, but that's not Bran. That's that's weirdo. Uh, yeah, according to Mira, Bran died in the cave. Right. Yeah, that's that's. And so it's a little bit like I don't know. I, I don't, am I rooting for you because I'm not sure who you are. Right. And you're not doing a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so I I didn't, but I also didn't feel like I felt like this would have been the kind of episode. That um, Brienne dies. I felt. Oh, yeah, I yeah. felt like oh, this yeah. was. A, I felt like she got it. She got her wish, right? Right. I feel like. I feel like the Brienne death for Jamie or even for Pod mm-hmm. um, would have been special. I feel that a Hound death for Arya could have been special. I felt also that um, Sam dying for Gilly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So. Not that I'm rooting for these deaths, but I mean, I'm used to it. We're used to big deaths, and I felt like mm. I felt like the Jorah thing on. I think if you added like a big third, that would have been something, right? Like in terms of just dramatic effect, mm. and then and then what that would do if like Brienne died for for Jamie, that would like galvanize Jamie. Well, I guess you could say the big death was the Night King, right? Yeah. Like a person we've never heard speak, a person we've never understood their motives, a person that we've seen glimpses of, and in some seasons not at all. Let's think about this in terms of like um, the episode that Egret dies. Like that's a huge battle scene, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of you know a lot of, a lot of battley stuff is happening, but when Egret goes down, it's really a singular moment. Yeah, unless they were really in figuring that we we were bigger on Jorah. And and the yeah, irony is, so. is I'm only got big on Jorah when you killed him. 
<laughs> well, maybe that's the story they're telling. <laughs> Danny's a little bit annoyed with Jorah when he's around. He lingers a little too long. And then it's not until he leaves that she realizes, eh, he wasn't so bad. And then he shows up again. It's like, damn, you got grayscale and I have to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Go, go. Here's your new job. Go figure out your grayscale. And once you figure that out, come back. <laughs> so I think he's the classic guy that's like, you kind of like him when he's not around. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. One thing we haven't talked about, maybe you're you're saving it, is, I mean, how the Night King goes out. So Arya has a slick little dagger move, right? Yeah. How did, how, did she, how did she get there without any of the She's other... She's a ninja dude. None of the White Walkers. Know? None of the White Walkers were like, bro. Was this, this, so this just man? a couple episodes, John was in the Godswood. And he turns around, and she's there. And he's like, how did you get here? Yeah. So we've already been kind of set up to think, like, she's super ninja. She, not enough that little, Littlefinger doesn't see her everywhere she goes. Right. <laughs> but she's... She's a ninja. I, so, that's all I need to so know. So I will, I will buy the fact that when they're in the Godswood and there's only John, she could sneak up on him. But yeah. I'm having a hard time when there is a massive army of whites and all the White Walkers. Maybe she walked in with the face of a White Walker and you just didn't know it. <laughs> well, I also am like, well, does... <laughs> is it Bran's character then to also... I mean, I could also see him going... Oh, hi, Arya. (laughs) (laughs) A a rad move would have been that she killed Bran, and then she just pulls off his face and stabs the the Night King from the chair. It's two birds. Uh, I, okay, here's how I thought. Here's what I thought. I thought it was a pretty slick little dagger move that she does at the end, right? Because he grabs her throat and her, her, like, stabbing hand. She drops the dagger to her other hand because even the Night King only has two hands, Steve. Right. So then she's able to kind of stab him. All right. It's the same move she used against Brienne. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel like, don't do that twice. Save the coolest move for the climax. Well, but they have to show that she's Make me believe that. Nah, I don't know. Make me believe that she's capable of doing that. So when I see it happen, it's thrilling. Because I almost felt like it was more impressive against Brienne mm. than it was against the Night King. Okay. That part I didn't have a problem <laughs> with. I was just more like, how did she get there unnoticed? But the fact that she was there, I mean, it, that was that was pretty rad. As far as, as, far as like, great. I mean... We're talking about things like suspension of disbelief and everything. Mm-hmm. It was such a such a cool thing and caught me by surprise because I was like, well, because I because I was like, well, again, like I said, who's gonna do it? Like, who's yeah, gonna do it? That's the thing. It's it's a who's gonna do it? Because I honestly, like I said, the longer it took for him to get there, the more I'm like, <laughs> there's not gonna be, it's not gonna do it, which would have been an amazing moment, right? If he just lopped his head off and you're like. Huh. <laughs> but <laughs> but I know it's not John because John's just screaming at a dragon now. Uh-huh. And um and so I'm like, well, who's left, right? And it, Well, on top of that, it's like Arya Arya's little scene in the library which was really sort of horror film effective. 
you really got the sense that like, oh no, she's just a little girl. You know, right. she she talks a big game, and uh, I was reminded how small Arya actually is, right? Which was a good in the scope of things, which was kind right? of a good dupe, I guess, right? It was a good dupe, and then, but as soon as Mel says, "Shut," you know, you're gonna shut even blue eyes blue or whatever. Eye, yeah. I thought, okay, she's gonna do it. Okay, I see. I wasn't, I wasn't tracking that. I just thought, okay, she's just gonna go on a tear now again or something. But I didn't get. The so thing. when Arya comes out of nowhere like Mighty Mouse, you thought, oh, cool, Arya's here. Yeah, when she pops up, and I was like, what? <laughs> like that was a. That, then it was interesting <laughs> how how. And I'm gonna use the word fun because whether or not it was logical is not the point anymore, right? I mean, again, yeah, it was fun. It was super fun, and it, because also there wasn't much fun so far in this episode and that and that that's that's another one of those drop of cold water right and it's like mm-hmm. like you're like okay 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 and then immediately you're like ah that was worth it <laughs> it's like all right that was right and then she just wipes them all out and then it's like you're like okay okay that's over but then as it all starts to, to settle in it's all right and i and i'm just like well cersei now has her her plan was pretty good yeah, not not a bad plan for. I mean, and here's the thing about that. So let's talk about sort of the the wider scope here. Okay, so whether it's by dumb luck or whether Cersei was pretty savvy about this whole thing, they're pretty depleted. I mean, I think originally it was like, oh, Danny's going to take out Cersei, no problem, right? And apparently, all of the Dothraki died. Like, yeah, all of them. like that was incredible. Okay, so we like there's so much going on. That was pretty fantastic. That's that opening sequence when they light up. You know, Mel lights up their swords, and they all just had it was so cool just to see this little light bright formation, and then the lights go out. That was that right. that was that was an incredible beginning, and we were we were so hooked from that point on where you're like this episode this episode's probably gonna be pretty cool and that we could see it was helpful yeah now some people who are like super big like medieval buffs would say you would never use heavy cavalry like that sure you don't send the horses in first we did have some like hey is this the best position for these catapults (laughs) (laughs) you know and there's those there was a lot of that right (laughs) but you're right. Super fun. And thematically, it's like if you're telling a story between light versus dark and you got the fire god on one side and the ice dude on the other side, that tells a pretty good story. Yeah. To watch the Dothraki go off with their fiery Arx and then completely get snuffed out. Yeah. They're, and yeah. then just see nothing but darkness. Right. Right. That, thematically, that tells the story you want to tell. Yeah. Danny wants the Iron Throne, and yet I think she's pretty depleted. What has she got? There's what? There's 14 Unsullied, maybe. <laughs> um, it definitely feels that way, doesn't you, it? I mean, <laughs> you've got Jamie, Brienne, Podrick, uh, and Tormund. Well, you got Bran. He can work into ravens. <laughs> Bran can't do shit. Bran at best walk into a raven and like poke someone's eye. Bran will do a really good job of reminding you about what just happened, (laughs) and then he'll somehow brag that he already knew. (laughs) Now I'm looking back. Like now, we talk about the at least the tomato meter goes like 
mid nineties to mid eighties to mid seventies. And I'm not sure that I, I put these all, I mean, I, again, I think that first one's an A plus. I wonder Steve, whether or not if they had lit this episode differently, that was one of whether the mixed you reviews. don't gain like 10 points that, just because of that. That was one of the mixed reviews. That was a couple of them was, was a uh, effective show that I couldn't see. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, so I wonder though, right? So, so if you look at that, I go, look, we are halfway through the final up or the final season. This mm-hmm. is and this is as as exciting, as touching, as interesting as anything. It actually, and when I said, oh, this is the eighth best season, I'm I'm saying that with a foreshadowing. As of right yeah, now, right. <laughs> this is not the eighth best season. Three episodes in, and I, you've given me. You've given me nostalgia and sentimentality. You've given me this amazing setup in the uh, in episode one, which I think we mm-hmm. both said was pretty flawless. And then you give me this amazing battle scene that, and just the sequence that is is both compelling and touching. And I'm touched by characters I didn't think I would be, and I'm satisfied. Uh-huh. Um, this is not the eighth best season at this point. Yeah, this is this is up there. This, this is, is actually so very much up there, right? And so, in your t- and if you were to tell me half of this season <laughs> is as good, if not better, than some of what we've already seen before, and this is the worst season without question, I you, you're... <laughs> I am giddy. <laughs> you know me pretty well and you know the things that i can and can't enjoy and and some of the odds what are the what are the odds that at this point in time that you would give that i might okay so what are the highest odds is it oh what a fucking disaster is it "Ah, it's okay or i kind of liked it i think that you're gonna be like it's okay until a point and then you will giggle with glee at how bad it is. <laughs> this is what I'm excited about. Because <sighs> like, because that's that's my that's my prediction. Because well, that's the beauty of like a lot of the show has been like, hey, I want to see, I wonder who's going to do this, I wonder who's going to do that. Now I feel like I've got nothing because all I'm trying to predict is how bad it could be, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even think I know because I'm I feel confined by the genius that I've seen so far. So I'm like, well, this genius isn't going to do this thing, and I'm. Or maybe they will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I the idea that yeah. I'm like, does the Iron Throne get wheels put on it and Bran just rolls around King's Landing? The Iron Throne. <laughs> the Iron Throne uh, becomes the main character. It, it, it actually it's comes like Kyburn is able to bring it to life. Like Cherry from Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 